Well, here we are again for our podcast, Through the Lens of Christ, and this is Steve Douster. I'm Adam Baker, and we are coming to you from West Bend, Wisconsin Community Church. We are, uh, again, these, these, these opportunities we have for these short segments are a good time for us to just be able to have good conversation. And so I, I gain a lot from them. I think normally we try to film uh, two 20-minute episodes at a time. It should take 40 minutes. Usually we get caught up in conversation before or after, um, yeah. which is just as good, right? It so is. We're, we're, I enjoy all the conversation. Uh, right? It's really nice. <laughs> and so yeah. Ashley kind of chooses when she wants to record. She usually tells us to, okay, stop, we're going to go now. So we're, we're going, we're live, so here, we have to get focused. Here we go. Um, we, we just talked about earlier this week, the podcast that came out was about religious liberties. And we're at a time in culture where that is being attacked on many sides. And we, even as a, as a church struggling with um, where do we draw the line? Where don't we draw the line? How do we make sure that we're standing up for what's appropriate? How do we also make sure that we're not standing up where it's inappropriate? Mm-hmm. And how do we how do we have those conversations and debates? And um, not just about religious liberty, but it's just a heated topic now. But any conversation, how do we express our anger and joy and hope and fears and all of those opinions and thoughts that we have? How do we express those well in a time when these conversations that we're having aren't nearly as common as they used to be? It's all through social media. It's all we're expressing ourselves one directionally, and it becomes very, very easy for us to remove any sort of filter. Yeah. And so how do we express ourselves and remove some of those um, sinful attributes that we have and do it in a constructive way? Yeah, it's often really impersonal these days, especially with social media. So that's that's a challenge. We talked a little bit last time when we were talking about religious liberty that this power vacuum that's happened within the within the Christian subculture that's being you know power and cultural influence is being removed from Christianity in, in the United States right now, and that's a bad feeling for people. It's really really difficult. And then there's also this feeling of anger and angst and what people are doing with their with their with their anxiety and how they're responding to one another. And that's not so good either right now. So our response is oftentimes, and I, we can see it in the church. Um, I think you've mentioned even, you know, emails or things that seemed a little, yeah. you know, slightly, you know, anxiety-ridden to say right. the least. Yeah. People, you know, wanting to express their opinion and, and they feel like they have good opinions, and maybe they yeah. do. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I see in, in Christianity right now is a big concern over our rights. Everybody wants to make sure they protect all of their rights in, in a very aggressive way. Yes. So our rights are being taken away from us, and we're going to be really aggressive in protecting them. And I think in Scripture, there is, there's room for that. I can see just thinking about Paul, he, he expressed his rights. I'm a Roman citizen. You can't do this to me. You have to do this with me. But I also see even above that, I see Jesus, and he gave away a lot of rights. I mean, he gave away his right to... Um, a lot of things when people were abusing him, calling yeah. him names. Yeah. He had he had rights over everything that was yeah. going on in this world, and he did not he did not exercise them. Thank God. Right. Well, and Paul says, "I have the right to do whatever I want, but all things are not profitable." Yes. Right. So we it's not about the rights that we have. It's about are we uh, Christ centered and God honoring in everything that we do. And I think you're exactly right that that we have placed our our rights and our freedom. You know, I see the uh, the the banners out. Don't tread on me, right? Yeah. And we've we've picked up that mantra in a church and said that we're not going to be tread on. Yes. And uh, to some extent, that's true, right? Mm-hmm. I think you brought up the point in the the last podcast um, that 
this is Christ's bride. This is his church. And so we're not going to be tread on. Correct. We may be momentarily tripped over, right? We may be mm-hmm. pushed aside, but we're not going to be tread on. And um, we don't need to protect that as much as we need to be careful that we're seeing all the elements and that we're being faithful to Christ in the middle of it. Well, that's the place to start. Mm-hmm. So, so I, you know, I feel like we we need to get back to basics and make sure that we understand Scripture and what Christ has for us, and need to know Christ. Mm-hmm. So, so rather than trying to extrapolate, you know, cultural pressure that we're absorbing, and we all are absorbing cultural cultural situations, this whole idea of defending my rights in an aggressive way in our culture—that's the culture, you know, yeah. getting into my business and me accepting it. Uh, we need to actually start back at Scripture, understand what God has for us to do, and look out from there. Knowing Jesus, seeing Christ, working and loving Him, acting like Him, and moving out from there is the way to do it, not moving out from a cultural position and trying to engage Scripture from that position. We abandoned all rights in our coming to in my mind. We abandoned all rights in coming to Christ. He is the one that, that we, we is our ruler. He's our head. We're in his body, and we move out with him from there. Right. Yeah, we're citizens of heaven already. Yes. Right? When we become believers in Christ, we are citizens of heaven already. Yes. We don't wait for some future citizenship. Right. Um, I want to read from James, because James does a great job about talking about uh, conflict and an unbridled tongue. And I, I see, especially as—I mean, I, I see anger everywhere. We're seeing it now with protests and riots and all these things, right? This is for an sure. expression of anger. That doesn't really bother me as I don't like it, right? But it doesn't really bother me as much as when I see all that same venom coming out of the church. We just see it being being thrown back in the other direction. And I say, shouldn't we respond differently? Shouldn't we, if if we're pressured, if our rights are being held back, if our religious liberties seem to be taken, being taken away, do we actually respond the same way the world does, which is out of anger and violence, and or should there be a different response? I think yeah. uh, James talks about this well in uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 19. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And then he goes, he talks more about this idea of freedom and and the law and about how we're saved. And then down in verse 26, he says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And I think it's interesting that that James talks about anger, and then he immediately goes into moral filth. Yeah. He says, don't be angry. Don't be like the world. Don't respond that way. Get rid of moral filth. And anger is moral filth. I mean, there's a reason we, we talk about righteous indignation and righteous anger. That's all good and reasonable. But God will have his day. Right? He yeah. is the great avenger. He's the one that gives vengeance. It's his wrath. It's his justice. It's not my job. My job is to bring the light of Christ. And if I'm only responding in anger, I'm just providing more moral filth to the world. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and I 
I don't have the verses up in front of me, but somewhere in there he went to, it's, this is an individual problem. So he's going, starting with the individual, look at yourself and clean up your, your own life needs to get cleaned up first, and then you have the ability to move out from there. So, so certainly as Christians, we should be understanding, we should have a different understanding of why the world is the way it is right now. Mm -hmm. We should be able to have an eternal understanding. We should have a biblical perspective on why people are acting the way that they do, and we should be able to speak into that. So we understand that's the situation. We understand that's where we have been, and in many ways we still are. And so we need to center ourselves on Christ first. Take the log out of our own eye so we can see clearly how to take the log out of somebody else's, the splinter right. out of somebody else's yeah. eye. Because right. we have a log sticking in our, in our head right now, and, yeah. and only Christ can show that to us so that we can move forward and engage right. other people. When he, uh, James furthers the conversation, you go out to James chapter 4, verse 1, and he, he essentially says that, all conflict begins within us. Like we're the source of, of fighting. And and it's to your point exactly that we become frustrated about something mm -hmm. and it's bothering me. The question isn't, is it bothering me? The question is, why is it bothering me? Right. And we don't ask that question. And because that's really where conviction starts, right? If I can say, why am I this upset about it? Why am I so worked up about it? Why do I think that God needs me to fix this? Why why is this why does this cause me to lash out at somebody else? That's where we can begin to see what's happening in us. Right. I mean, are are we are we equally upset against uh, at our that the ability of us of God to save our lost friend or neighbor as we are the different decision that just came down from the president's executive order or the Supreme Court or because of a protest. Uh, what I see in the Christian church right now, unfortunately, is a whole lot of anxiety and anger and, and getting worked up about things. I mean, wearing a mask for crying out loud. I, I have to I have to give up my right and, and suffer through wearing this. And now I I don't want to wear a mask more than any any more than anybody else. Right. But if that's upsetting me and I won't even attend church because I have to wear a mask to come, um, rather than bringing someone to Christ, to, to church that might come to Christ and get involved with the church in that fashion, get involved with me in a spiritual way, I've got a serious, serious consideration here. i got to think about that. Yes. It's huge well, problem. We, we, if I'm going to go into the store, I know I need to have my shirts and shoes, and I, I know that there's certain things that are just considered standard, and I'm not upset that right. somebody says you have to have shoes on to come in the store. But a mask? Right. Now you've just, you've gone too far. Yeah. And I agree. And I don't think it has anything to do with masks. It has everything to do with this. We go back to this religious liberty and our rights and all of those aspects where we just, we become frustrated and angst ridden. And instead of saying, why does this bother me so much? This isn't right. really that big of a deal. We don't ever do that. We don't like the self-reflection. I would much rather point to somebody else and tell them while they're impeding me, rather than I understand why is this troubling me. Yeah, I think that looks a lot like the world. And so, so again, we're talking about how we express ourselves in this new cultural environment, and I think there are challenges associated with those kind of attitudes in the Christian church right now. Yeah. And we need, we need to at least see them, and, and I'm not saying we should be promoting mask wearing or not, because as we've talked in the past, there's all kinds of different information on both sides. I think it's a Christian liberty thing at this moment to figure out when I'm going to put on a mask and when I'm not. 
hate that we're on masks again, by the way. It's, right. just, it's just almost ridiculous. But, but, but there is freedom and liberty in that in conscience, but we should be doing that understanding that we're expressing something inside in, that's inside of us that's coming out. We're communicating when we do yes. that, and other right. people see that. And what we need to be communicating is the love of Christ. So if that's what we're, if, we, if we've decided I'm going to walk in the store and the best way for me to communicate the love of Christ is to not wear a mask or right. to wear a mask. Yes. So be it. Right. Um, we have liberty and freedom to do that. But if that's not our calculus, then we have a, we have a challenge ahead of us. And I think that's the way we should be looking at all situations. Yes. Anytime we engage, even if we're going to a protest, I don't think there's anything in Scripture that prevents us from protesting or, or engaging in perhaps civil disobedience in various ways. But our goal should be to demonstrate the love of Christ, that God's glory might be displayed through our actions, and he might be more clearly seen because of our engagement. If it's not the case, then, then we've got a challenge ahead of us in trying to explain that away, and I think that would be a sinful, sinful yeah. thought. Yeah, I mean, you think about what—so if, if it's true that we're being changed, mm-hmm. if it's true that we're being transformed, and we believe that it is, that we have been—and when I say we believe that it is, I've known it in my life, you've known it in your life. This is—when I say believe, I mean it greater than just, I think it might be happening. Right. Like, it is, it is a knowledge of the change that is happening. Confirmed by others. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we see this happening, we know that it's happening. What are we being transformed into? We talk about the fruits of the Spirit. We talk about all, all the things he tells us to take off are things like anger, rage, malice, slander, gossip, like all those things, like take off those things. Get rid of that. That's who you were. That is, a, that is an unchanged life. That is a, a fallen life. That is what we've talked about before. That is a depraved lifestyle. That is outside of who Christ is. Put on things like kindness and gentleness and meekness and like put on all of those things that represent who Christ is. Sure. And not that I would be so angry because sometimes I do have righteous indignation, right? I and normally and I I, I try to help people understand this too, righteous indignation isn't really for unbelievers. A righteous indignation is directed towards people who should know better and aren't, right? To to defile who God is out of a place where you're depraved and you have no idea how would you act any differently, to have righteous, I should be disturbed by that, and I should desire to bring them Christ, mm-hmm. but how do they know any different? Right. For the people that know differently and still act out of their sinful nature, there should be righteous indignation there. We should be looking at that going, that if you call yourself a believer, if this is who you say you are in Christ, this is opposite of that. So, so how how do we how does what's the corrective here? How 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 do we how do we how do we defeat that? I, I think it has to be spending time in the Word and in prayer and in, in thinking of the world in a Christian context. So, so when, when you know we're we're to think about. So if we if we've come to Christ, we now have spiritual eyes to see what's going on, and we should be trying to see through those spiritual eyes into the events and the and the and the things that are happening around us. If we're not, we're just falling asleep at the wheel and being taken along for a ride by the culture. Yeah. And, the, and those spiritual eyes, if you said it earlier with the with the log in our own head, right? Those spiritual eyes are first facing us. Yeah. And so if we, I think that's our, our problem, we don't like conviction, we don't desire to be changed. And that should be a, a main desire of us as believers is to be changed into more into his image and likeness. Mm-hmm. And so every time I get frustrated, every time I'm upset about something, every time that, that something is just off to me, my first thought should be, why? Right. What's going on? 
God, teach me. David himself says, show me, right? Teach me what's in me because I don't know. If there's a wicked way in me, let me see it. And if we start there and we can then start to say, okay, how is my response godly? How is my response inspired by love? How is my response inspired by bringing people to Christ and showing them that example? We'll never get there if we don't first say, man, I got to be changed and that that is not where I should be. I mean, I mean, you and I are no different. We have the same problem in our own lives, so yep. I'm quite oh, sure. So, yes. so my, my knee-jerk yep. reaction is to consider myself and to think about what this does to me and how yep. it makes my life not as comfortable or yes. more miserable or creates more effort and work for me, or, or even about my children, my, you know, whatever, something close to me. And that's not what Christ calls us to do. So um, actually, I wouldn't mind reading a little scripture. I mean, yeah. I, I think one, one barometer in all of this is actually Romans chapter 14. So if we start off in just the very beginning of Romans chapter 14, thinking about the other person. Mm-hmm. So as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And we could keep reading on. So especially if we're talking about believers in Christ, we're heading to the same end. Yes. We're, in a, we're on this path together. We should not be divided by these things, yes. and we should be gracious to one another and learn from one another, especially if we're in the body together and is a close membership in the body of one church, we all have different roles to play, different different likes, desires, skills that complement one another in the body, and we should be looking for those and trying to find out where can where can this brother help me, and where can I help him as we move together to bring the light of the gospel to our neighborhoods, to our families, and even to our church family to strengthen us all in Christ, so that again we can move out from this this Christ-centered gospel truth that scripture brings to us and, and bring it to others. And and that word would be discipleship, right? Yes. That we are, we should be actively engaging in discipleship, not right. just, again, I think often we think we disciple others. There should be that, but we should be being discipled. Yes. And, you know, I, people come and say, like, I, I want to disciple somebody. My first question is, who are you being discipled by? Right. Because it's a two-way street, right. and that that's why we're a family together. That's why we're a body, and we're learning right. from each other. Right. And um, I think that is such a critical piece of this, is that if we're, if we're trying to just convince somebody else and we just want to fight for them to understand our point of view, right. then we think we have all the answers. Right. The answer is that we're both believers in Christ. The answer is that we're both rooted on the same foundation. And now how do we learn more about who Christ is together? Right. I'm 55 years old, Adam. I am so not fully formed as, as, a, as a person. I, I, there's so many things I need to learn. There are, I've had lots of experiences in 55 years of living, but not nearly enough that have taught me what I need to know. I need the help of other people to give me a fuller understanding of what Christ has, who Christ is, um, how he works in this world, where we're headed, what life is going to be like, and we're all the same way. I could live to 155, and I would still have the same problem. I still need the help of the body to fill in these blanks 
blanks. And I should be excited to see that in other people. And once those things happen, that's the, the church is the witnessing evangelistic effort of Christ. It's Christ on earth yes. that he can see, that others can see what Je- who Jesus is, how he operates in the world, and, and, and where to go for salvation. Right. And that's why, go back to the scripture I read in James, that's why James says that anger does not bring about righteousness. It's because we cannot be discipled together out of anger. We can't be brought together. If all we have towards each other is anger, how will we ever listen to what the other person is saying? We can't be discipled out of anger. Our role and responsibility as a body of believers is to be discipled. means anger's got to go away. And it's going to be a struggle forever because we all have our own thoughts and desires, but anger needs to be diminished. Hope, joy, love, peace, kindness, all the fruits of the Spirit are what should be take center stage. This separates us from a secular culture that's angry about everything, yes. that's polarized, that doesn't want to have conversation, that hates one another, that gets on Twitter or on Facebook and says things to people they know they've never met before, that, that impersonal um, it, it's it's an awful awful situation. I just don't even know how to describe how bad it is. Yes. And and you know and, and I have to admit I am a I am a huge Twitter user, but I don't participate. I use it as a resource. This is where I get a lot of information and articles and people to follow that I can trust. But but I don't participate in the banter and and just the anger and hatred that goes on. If if love is not the outcome in the end, we should sense that we're very much on the wrong track. Yes. And I think your point about that is what makes us different than the culture. Yes. We were told we were to be a peculiar people. We're to be called out, set apart, that we're to be different. And so if we are just responding in the same way, just about different issues, but we're responding in the same way, I fully believe you can respond about godly issues in an ungodly way. Yes. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot. And what we need to do is stop that, actually respond about issues from a godly perspective, in a godly way, that we can actually give him glory and reflect the light of Christ. Amen. And I think the only thing we didn't get a chance to talk about was that in the scripture you read, it clearly says that the weaker brother only eats vegetables. <laughs> so I'd like to, maybe our next podcast, we'll just talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah just eating food. And, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Steve. Great conversation. Thanks. Likewise. Thanks, Adam.